Nathan, thanks for joining us at the Regional Football Hub. We certainly appreciate you coming on and, and sharing some thoughts and experiences. How's uh, the COVID period been for you? It's probably no different to when you were a player and locked up most of the time anyway, but how have you, how have you handled things? Yeah, um, well, thanks for having me on, guys. You know, I've been following the, the podcast probably the last since it started. And, um, you know, I think it's good um, how you guys have adapted and kind of um, give a bit of an insight to what's happening in country football because, you know, at the, at the moment it's all unknown and um, I think a bit of clarity is good that you guys are, you know, talking to everyone to keep everyone up to date. And, um, you know, I think we have to really um, stick together in the next few months to to bring the best out of the country football. So, you know, good good job what you guys have been doing the last couple of months. Yeah, thanks, mate. Uh, it's, been, it's been good to showcase some, some players that uh, obviously some, some people have known about, but it's been good to showcase some players and coaches that people didn't know about as well. So it, the COVID situations allowed us to be able to do this little project and it's been going well. So we're still going and now we're... Uh, in uniform all together, supporting... Uh, yeah, it looks good. Uh, looks good, guys. Hey. Where'd you get them from? Uh, some, some guy that used to play for Australia and occasionally scored goals, apparently. Yeah. No, nah. nah, it looks good, man. Looks really, it, was, uh, it was pretty easy to do, so happy to do it. Yeah, thanks. I appreciate that. Uh, listen, so once upon a time, you, you played for New South Wales Country. I mean, I know you forgot who one of your, your coaching staff was, so I'm glad I made a good impression then. But... Um, Obviously, last year as well, you, you went to Coffs Harbour with the New South Wales Country and, and Metro teams as a, as a mentor, which was a great experience for, for the players. But what were your thoughts from your time when you were at uh, NYC back then? And what thoughts did you have on players and, you know, the whole setup when you were able to go last year as well? I think when I was growing up, not too many players have um, broken into the system or gone down from the country so I think we're all kind of experimenting on how to get players out of the bush still yep. since like myself there's been a, a, a few players come through the system so we kind of get got a bit of a gauge of what needs to be done and what you, if you've if you've listened to the podcast before then basically everyone's got a very similar story and it was a sacrifice you had to move away eventually from the country and move to the city so you know, when I was growing up, I just played football because I loved it and I didn't really have that much expectations. And although looking back on it, planning all those club games, which you would remember, Andrew, that I used to just um, dribble and basically take responsibility for myself and just play the game as hard as possible. I think that kind of created my football skills of dribbling. You know, when I went down to the city, because I had so much practice kind of playing for Blaney because I used to just try dribble and dribble and shoot because, you know, Andrew stacked a team in orange, so we were a little bit underdone. So I felt like I really had to do more. And when I went down to Sydney, and that's where it's all like, I think that that made me the player that I am coming from the country because now, even now you see so many players are so structured and pass move, pass move, where they don't have that, like dribbling they don't they don't know how to beat plays which all kind of comes back from street football school football and in my case it was just country football because it was it was very unorganized but that's how I had to get the job done so that's what I did so I suppose a few people say you know it's better to pack up early and, and get into Sydney but do you think there's 
like what you're saying, there's benefits of staying there and taking a bit of responsibility because you don't have the better players around you and you need to well, lift. I actually had this conversation with, um, so with Trevor Morgan, he does a, a podcast as well every Sunday. And I had this, com- we had this conversation about a cam- uh, the boys from Canberra, right? If they want to make it, they have to move to uh, Melbourne or, or they have to move to Sydney. But then I'm like, okay, are the players that you want to move to Sydney, are they actually killing the league? Absolutely. So like playing first grade football at 16 or 15, are they playing first grade football with men? And are they the best player in the league? If they're not, then there's still a possibility to go up a level and until you've dominated where you are, then you're still learning. Yeah. You know what I mean? So when I was when I was 15, 16, I was actually playing in the NSL here, which was in between the A-League and the NSL. It was in the yeah. State League. And, you know, that, that was my step up. I was with Trevor as a coach. But, you know, I was always still pushing myself because I was with men. Yeah. So yeah. unless you don't feel like if – you, if you feel like you're the best player in the area – and you've gone up age groups, and you're still not learning, then there's still something to learn in the country. That's my opinion. I think the only thing I would say is, can we get the coaches to just push the players to an intensity where they're like, what I see in Sydney and a couple of good coaches do, the players are stuffed after a session. So that's how we, that's how we kind of, see if they're going to get better because you only learn off, off fatigue. Yeah. You know what I mean? So I think you need to p- look, look at the coaches and get them pushing the sessions. So when the session's over, you look at the kids and some of them come off not sweating. I, I, I see it all the time. I'm like, he, he obviously didn't push himself enough or, or the coach didn't push the kid throughout the session. So I think that's a good gauge because it's hard to get kids out of their comfort zone. Yeah. And if you can really get the coach, and it's hard to get kids to push that level, but if we can get them working harder, and here's, here's what I was always taught, if you train harder than the game on the weekend, then the weekend game is easy. Yeah. So you should be playing a, a, a game on the Wednesday night or something that's harder than what's going to come on the weekend. Because come the weekend, you should it should be easy. Yeah. So it's, it's, it's a good way to kind of think of, how you want to do your training sessions because and then i was speaking to andrew about this my my opinion is that we need to go back to looking for good athletes because the way the sport's going we're all got gps's on now so unless you're running 15ks and doing a thousand kilometers high sprints the coach won't pick you and that's how i was brought up through the ais system you had to be quick and fit otherwise you didn't make the AIS and that just happened to be our golden generation like that was the system before I think I was the last year that they stopped doing that testing but maybe we need to go back into like can we get country people to be super fit super fast and um, mentality is what they have always had so if we go back and then the, the football stuff comes but you have to have that base you know, that's, I think that's like, I think that's the minimum we can ask for country people. Yeah. And I think there's something in that with, with intensity, because I mean, again, you're at Coast Harbour last year. So, you know, mm. for our country teams, there was some elements of good play. Mm. Uh, I think the big issue is how often that happens and, and mm. fatigue and repetition and being able to replicate that more often 
is a is a problem and i think getting them to lift their intensity more often so that when they go to things like national championships where they can perform at a good level more often um is something that i think we need to address um well that's 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 exactly right if you look everyone's got that excuse like you can say the country boys don't get the games right than the city boys but then the city boys when they go and play with the national team trevor morgan says we don't get the competitive games here in australia yeah. right but then somehow and i, I know because if you keep the, the intensity high in training then for example um the players in the english premier league like liverpool's players or man city's players they don't play a game for a month and they come in and just pick up where they left off yeah. because the intensity is there in the training so only 11 play, players play on a weekend and there's 22 in the squad. So you can still drive. I, I, I still find that training sessions, when you do four times four times four, like mini games, it should be harder than what you get on the weekend because yeah. the ball's in and out of play, so you get breathers. Mm-hmm. So if you do some training sessions where you work for four minutes nonstop, you never work four minutes in a game, yeah. ever. So you got to look at like, you can't really use the, the excuse of like, if you're not coming to the tournament prepared, then you got to kind of go back to your training because all we looked at at nationals is like not the first game on the first day. We look at, because we're going to take these boys into the joeys. We're looking on the last two days. Yep. So which kids are going to be good on the last two days of the tournament? And then that's where we judge a lot of the players. So you got to come ready because that's what you're getting picked off. Yeah. I suppose we see it at a higher level, like in this big about fitness, et cetera, where players may be coming off for 10, 10 minutes at the end of the game, coming on to play 10 minutes, sorry. Do you think that they're back at more a local level, those players should be doing what we see at a professional level, you know, after the game doing some sprints or, you know, making sure they do something else if they haven't had the, the match fitness on the weekend? Oh, 100%. 100%. So if you watch the A-League, after every game finishes and they're doing the commentary, you see the subs just doing box to box. And to be honest, the ones, so the ones that don't play should be working harder than the ones that play because they've already lost that 90 minutes. So that just goes without saying. So it's a fine line now because we don't want to push our players to get injured. Um, but they only get injured if they're not um, eased into the training. But you, you'd be surprised how hard you can push players. So I think it's like, oh, not all of a sudden, let's go do 100, 100 uh, a K of high sprints. Like, let's build it up over the time. And that's, but eventually come nationals or whatever, our players need to have a good base, I think. So I think definitely fitness is one that we need to look at because that was always one of our strengths. Yeah. And I think we should not shy away from, and if you actually look at all the players that have made it, like Adrian Layer, um, Traddy, Ryan Grant, like probably Ryan's a good player, but the rest are just really good athletes. Yeah. You know what I mean? And you can make it so far in this game if you can run. And I can tell you all the coaches look for strong, fit, fast players because the coaches believe they can, once you get to this level, they put tactics in play and they can create a, a good player. You know what I mean? Obviously don't, you can't, you still need to learn how to kick the ball. And, but the tech, the technical side um, is something we can work on, but 
all you can ask your players is to be fit. And also going back to like beep test, I grew up doing a beep test and the beep test shows that, okay, you get 12 in the beep test, but it also shows when you come back the next time to do another beep test, has that kid actually tried to get fitter? And if not, then, you know, you start thinking, well, does he really want to be in the 13s or something that I've asked him to be? You know, then it's a mentality thing. And you also get to see with the beep test, the people drop out on their own choice. So when you find it hard, they drop out. So you actually get to test the mentality of the players as well, which come a tournament like the state titles or whatever, come the last couple of days, you kind of look at your players and go, who's going to run for me today? So then you can refer back to the beep test, which is just, it's just a testing um, procedure that I think is, it's an, it's an old one, but it's a good one. So. So how would you say the country New South Wales program has changed since you were in it to where it is now? Well, I don't really know exactly what goes on. Um, I know more of the city. So I do a bit of coaching with Manly. I was with the, with the, um, the state teams leading into the tournament of nationals and I've had a bit of part with the, the Joeys, but I, I just feel like the, what I've seen from the Nationals is I've seen some really good players, to be honest, and there was a couple of standout players, um, but it's the same thing that we, we just shy away at the end of the tournament. And, that's, and I can say from the, I was on the selection panel that when, what we're looking for is people in the last couple of days. You know what I mean? So... Because and that that's if we can get more athletes, I'm telling you that because I know what the A League's like as well. If we can get more athletes, then we'll get a lot more players into the A League. Because the Sydney players, are, everyone's kind of shying away from this athlete, but the game is asking for athletes because all we do is GPS. Yeah, I can tell. My last year of Wellington Phoenix, I was rarely picked because my numbers on GPS weren't coming up good. And I'm thinking, obviously at that stage, I'm like, yeah, but. I'm experienced. I can't run like I used to, but I've got the experience. Yeah. But it all comes down to numbers now. If you see our numbers that we get every after every game, you're like, "What does it even matter about the football that I played?" Because my numbers don't stack up. So that's where that's where football's heading. So I'm just trying to tell you like where coaches should try and um, look to because it's a major part of the game moving forward. So do you think there's a there's a difference with obviously when you're at nationals compared to when you were there? Do you think the standards improved across in terms of depth or do you think it's, it's similar? Um, and, and where do you think the player's mentality was? I mean, obviously you come from being a superstar at Blaney, having to do things yourself and shouldering your burden, which I think you handled well when you went to nationals, obviously. Um, but do you think there's a difference in mentality as well as perhaps the standard across the depth of players? Well... To be honest, when I left the Nationals, Andrew, I was like, that was probably the worst Nationals. I haven't made too many, but no one really stood out for me as a player. And it almost got to the stage where, I don't know, now they've put more players. So there was like five, six teams from New South Wales, yeah. where there used to just be one or two, New South Wales and country. Yeah. So you used to get competition for places. Now they had five teams just in New South Wales. So it got flooded with just players. Mm -hmm. And I know they're trying to expose more players, but end of the day, 
you need to know who the best players are at the current time. And then the ones that aren't really developed, they will slowly come up through the system and we'll keep an eye on them. But it was just so flooded of players. There was no real standouts, I feel, because you couldn't actually see the best 11 players from Sydney playing together in the same team. So they were all mixed around. There was Jets. There was New South Wales blue. There was New South Wales white. So it was country. There was uh, Northern as well. So it was, um, and, and people, I know we've gone away from this, but no, no one was playing to win. It was just playing to play. Yeah. And coaches weren't allowed to coach. And um, I don't know if that's the, the path that we really want to take. And I know the one thing that stood out in that whole tournament was Perth. And they actually played to win and everyone hated them for it. <laughs> but, you know, that, that actually was a good, although the parents weren't good, the players showed that they wanted to win, which in the selection panel we took note of, yeah. which was, um, it's almost against the criteria, which you do need a criteria, but, um, but then, you, you still want to see winners. I think that winning mentality is also important as a player. It is. Oh, it is. 100%. Like, no matter what age you're playing, you know, every, every kid wants to go out, no matter what age, what competition you're playing, they want to, mm. they want to win. And so you guys were both there. What did you think? Because I can't really compare previous nationals, only my own. But that tournament, compared to like three, four years, what did you guys think it was like? I think we've... Um, so similar to what you said, so there's an influx of teams. Like there was 18 teams there. Mm. We're about five to six years. There's, there's probably 10 to 12 teams. So we're, we've kind of expanded the base, but I, I don't really see the top quality of players standing out as before. And I think the, mm. the play from everyone's become a little stock standard and predictable. Um, I'm not really seeing enough risks being taken by players. Yeah. And I think Correct. there's probably an element of um, in fear in doing that because everyone's just trying to play um, how, how they should, building out from the back, etc. But yeah. I don't really see the risk. I don't really see the wingers being as willing to take on players as we had before. So whether that's yeah. a reflection yeah. of more teams and, and the standard being perhaps better, I do think the fear for me is that um, there's not enough key decision makers in there anymore yeah. and, and top quality players standing out. That, that's yeah. well, my yeah, Trevor Morgan made, made a good point on his podcast the other day. He said, um, football is played by the individuals in their individual positions. So if you can create the best winger who can dribble players one-on-one and then the best midfielder who can do his job, and if everyone can win their one-on-one battle throughout the pitch, you should come out ahead. And then it's part of the job, the, the coach's job, to put the structure together. But you, as you said, everyone plays like they're playing possession as a game in the state titles. Everyone's passing and moving. But no, you know, growing up, I used to see the winger run down and make a cross dribble the player that's all some of the wingers i grew up with they didn't know how to do anything else but to dribble and whip in across left foot um going back to that how many like lefties do you see with like oh my god he's got the best left foot i've ever seen because when i was growing up every left footer had the best left foot i've ever seen but now it's almost they've coached they've coached them out of their strength and they want everyone to work on their weaknesses rather than you need to work on a player's strength because I think that the way to pick a player is everyone can do 
everything okay, like good, but you have one strength. Yeah. It could be dribbling, it could be finishing, it could be tackling. Yedinak is like, oh, he's big, he wins headers, but he can't pass. He's there to just to break up play. Yeah. And everyone makes a career off their main assets. So I think you've really got to coach. Um, like if you've got a left footer that's got a great left foot, just keep working on his left foot. And I, th- I feel like they become a unique player, yeah. which, which is what we're missing because you never see any players like, oh, wow, he's something special. Yeah, All yeah. I see is like complete robots now, which mm-hmm. play with both feet but can't really do anything. So I think we're we're probably guilty of creating too many all-rounders rather than mm. focusing on the individual skills of a player. Like we don't really have a Harry Kill anymore. Yeah, he was bad at a number of other things, but he was dynamic and good on his left side. Oh, and past people and delivering a ball, like you said, right? I mean, mm. we're probably uh, coaching-wise guilty of creating all-rounder players, including centre-backs. I mean, we're concentrating a lot on uh, how they play out, and I think mm. we're probably losing the fact of we need some good... Let them tackle, yeah. Can you win a ball? Yeah, um, can you win a header? Can you win a tackle? And then play play simple. That's it. So I think that's that's been lost a little bit for me, I agree mm. 100%. And do you think... But it's good, it's good to... Um, I think it's good to acknowledge that... I think everyone's gone down... It's not just country. I think it's the whole football Australia so but yeah we need to acknowledge what we're doing and maybe how, what we need to get back to so go Liam. So do you think like obviously because of the way from top down we're being asked to tell our you know kids to play etc it's, it's limiting their ability to think like on, on the path they're sort of thinking as soon as I get it I've got to do this or I see from a goalkeeper perspective like you got a team at nationals pressing a young goalkeeper who thinks he has to play out so he tries to play it out to He's right back. Who's got two people pressing because they're they're worried, I suppose, to make their own decision and go to second line. But mm. I think we we tend to worry a lot of team training. Where I grew up at Westfields, which was just individual training, like skills. So if you can get uh, your wingers working on crossing and dribbling, and then go back to like breaking the session down, which was good with COVID because you got smaller numbers. If we can go back to sometimes during the week. Actually, I just do striker training at Manly. And it's funny how, like, people actually haven't been taught how to shoot or kick a ball. Like, they can all play Sheva and play possession games. But how many of them can actually shoot? Not a lot. And shooting is the, the biggest part. And how many people, how many coaches put a lot of time into shooting rather than just, like, hitting the goal, try score, but actually working on technique, hitting the spots? Because in a day, shooting is the most important part of the whole game, to score goals. So that's it's, a hard, it's actually the hardest thing to do, and we probably spend the least amount of time at shooting. Yeah, and that's why they earned a big bucks, right? Yeah, exactly. It's an interesting point you brought up because I know we talked about you going back to Manly and doing some, let's say, a striker school, working with strikers. Mm. I mean, how, how, you, um, have, how have you found that? Has it been beneficial? Because um, I think it's really interesting because it's something that's obviously lacking. Because when we do a shooting drill, everyone does it. You know, the left mm. and right back are doing it. So the strikers probably missing out on the more repetitious aspects of it because the whole team's doing it rather than just, you know, the front yeah. four perhaps. Oh, correct. I think when you do a shooting drill, what we focus on is not just hitting the net and trying to score. It's yeah. like we're trying to educate your players. Why are you doing it? And, like, what technique to use? So if you're in this scenario, you're not just trying to hit the goal, you're trying to put it in this corner or, like, different techniques. You got, And also... I'm trying to find when I'm watching the kids play, 
what technique suits their shooting. Yeah. So actually, for for me, for example, I was never a powerful shooter. Like I didn't have the the power to hit massive like shots outside the box and hit them top corner. But most of my goals just came from like my eyes and my hips. So I'd always look one way and hit the other corner. And I just built, that was my strength. So I just basically found a way that I can score or I get most of my goals in by that way. So now I'm looking at, all right, if some players are just good at just lashing it, maybe we work on that. Some players don't have the power. Can we just work on placement? But you got to, rather than them just shooting at a goal, it's kind of asking the question, why did you choose to do that shot? Like, why didn't you go for the inside of your foot? Or why didn't you actually lace that one? Because you were so close. So that's what we kind of do at Manly. And now they're starting to think of choices to make in certain positions and play to their strengths as well. So if I start seeing a kid that's got no power, start lacing it, and I go, mate, actually stick with it. They're not going in now, but you're going to get stronger. And eventually he, he started to find corners. Yeah. And then he started to trick the goalkeeper. He didn't know. But every time he would lace it, he just didn't back himself with the power so he was going against his strength and just going to that so I think it's I think we just need to all but this is all positions I think we just need to go back to um can we teach our center backs how to clear the ball with a header like I don't know if any coaches even practice this but I know my teammates do that are professionals Mm -hmm. before the game we launch balls and they come out and clear do a clearance header and the best ones at the best level their clearance headers go to players. So yeah. it's a break pass. Yeah. And then we're on the counter attack. So it's the same with like, you know, actually the only ones that do it are goalkeepers because they're the only one in their own role, but you guys work on uh, technique and, and real scenarios. Yeah. You know what I mean? So if we can get back to maybe one session, this would we do one session per week at Manly um, or even like a half a session you could put, put towards technique. So everyone in their own position go work on their skill sets. Yeah, so. that's a good point. Because, I mean, in, in the break, obviously, we have, we have a lot more free time and I, I don't play golf, so I haven't wasted <laughs> on that. Yeah. Um, You'd need a whole week to get around 18 holes, wouldn't you, family? Probably. Probably. <laughs> and um, a few balls. I would have quit by, I would have quit by <laughs> 18 holes, for sure. Well, I'm the same, um, mate, don't worry. <laughs> but it gives you more chance to, to think about, you know, our approach to football and coaching and... and what you just said there is obviously one of those. We don't spend enough time working on the skill sets of players and, and and perhaps more individual, like what do the midfielders actually need to do as opposed to what the defenders need to do. And then mm-hmm. even like warm-ups on match days, like everyone does the same thing, regardless of whether you're a striker and the key focus mm-hmm. is obviously scoring and if you're a defender, a key focus is obviously defending. But mm-hmm. when, when a lot of teams are warming up, it's, it's just one process. Mm-hmm. You know I mean, like we all have to do it together rather than, what does the defender need? What does the midfielder need? What does the striker need? The only one that's different normally is the goalkeepers. I mean, they're yeah. special and different, but yeah, we come together and the goalkeeper does at the end of the train, the warm up, he does long kicks. Yeah. And then what you kind of need your center backs is to be there heading them down to your, your center midfielder. Yeah. And then it, you like, that's game related, you know, but how many of your centre backs yeah practice clearing headers before a game? So Yeah. Um, definitely so that's point. and that's their most important job because I know in country football there's gonna be a lot of long football. So they should be ready or ready to do those headers and 
I think it it's it is something to look at because we do just focus on, as you said, um, possession. Is that you remembering when you had to play against Dubbo teams, mate? Yeah, they just kick kick along. Quick boys up top and then that's it. And you know what? I'm not a I'm a big fan of direct football as well. So I've played in a couple of teams that just play direct and it is a tactic. You play you play off the second balls and you yeah. play field position. So there's not one way to you know, that's the thing. There's not one way to play football and that's why we love it. There's so many different ways to coach it. But we can uh, one thing we can focus on, I think, is coaching individuals. Yeah. And then once, once, because you change teams so often, if you have your individual skills, you should be able to pick up wherever the coach wants you to start from. So, because every coach is going to be different. Yeah. Well, another thing that's changed since your time growing up is obviously you're part of the AIS program. Do you think the loss of that is another cause to the lack of special players that we seem to have? That's just a loss of bloody how stupid we are. Like as football in country, like we had a government funded system and only in Australia could we get rid of that. Yeah. Like are we are we like the biggest idiots ever? We're, we're asking for money into the game and we had, although it was in Canberra, everyone tried to bring it down, but it was actually paid by the government to like house footballers, the best in the country. So that just shows where we're at as a as a country of football that we we got rid of free money to our best players of the game, which is idiotic. And they tried to change the system, but at the end of the day, we should have just built because it wasn't working. We should have just built the whole system around the AIS. And some of our golden generation went through the AIS. So. Yeah. It is going to be a big change, and but it's just stupid from us. I think we're go, we're going backwards in that sense, and you know now we could probably use the AIS more than ever, but we will never get that back now. So I think there's, I think there's probably a similar thing where we've talked about at nationals with a let's say an evening of spread. So we've got all we've got more players now playing youth league, for example, with A league clubs. Mm. We don't have you know the best sixteen players that obviously you went through being together mm. and being challenged to probably create some better players so there's maybe some logic in having an AIS set up and whether they go play for ALE clubs or not um, could be a different way of looking at it but I, I think maybe we've spread the pool of talent wider but maybe not created the, the special players that we've had in the past. Yeah I, th- I think there's no as I said there's no perfect perfect way but um, the AIS was good but now we've changed into A-League. Yep. So now we've got to look into how the A-League is going to produce these, the next up and coming generation. So also that there's, there's no perfect, like what we used to do and how we grew up, the kids are not the same anymore. So even the last couple of years of the way I was in, in my team at Wellington, the next generation is completely different to how I grew up. So we can't really coach off how I came to Sydney because the path is different now. The kids are different. Um, the football is different. The style is different. So we kind of just got to adapt to like, we don't know how this next generation, what the best scenario is for them. Is it to move to Sydney? Is it to go to an A-League club? We just need to keep working. I think as, as I said, that their individual skills and then hopefully 
they make it in the league. But there's no path. Like everyone said in all the podcasts that, oh, I had to leave and move to Sydney. Yeah, yeah you do. But we don't know. This new generation of players and kids, it's different, not in soccer, in, in life. Like they just, they think differently. So we just need to, rather than going, oh, Nathan Burns or Ryan Grant done it this way, we kind of need to say, all right, he done it this way. But football's changed now, completely changed. So um, I know when Harry Kuehl went overseas, he was like 15, 16 years old. And that wasn't our scenario because we had the A-League. So we went a different path. So you always got to adapt and kind of see where it kind of takes you. But there's so many little academies now as well um the pop up and we all just got to come together and i'm a big fan of academies because it's kind of what i did at westfields that you have your club team but then you can also go to a different coach and just learn something technical or tactical something different but i always had two or three coaches per year as a player and i feel like the more coaches you can get and this is what we do at manly we um we rotate the coaches through the team sometimes so the players don't just get one coach through the whole 12 months because if you get one coach that you don't like that's kid that that is that's his kid career gone because he won't learn in 12 months yeah so if we can try and get let's say Kyle into a session of the year up and the year up goes down then he'll be like oh Kyle my blah to be honest I actually rated that number seven and then the other coach will be thinking, oh, he's one of my worst players. But it's just different opinions. And it is different opinions. And then you start seeing different, like, some players lose confidence, this, that. And I can tell you right now, when I had Kelly Cross at N-Swiss, I never liked going to N-Swiss. I, I probably would have given up the game, but I had Trevor Morgan at Westfields yeah, okay. who gave me confidence. And I could have lost that whole two years, but actually – Trevor got helped me get through it because I had a second coach for two years. Yeah. So, which we can all, and that's just opinions on coaches as well and players. So everyone's got different opinions. So it's, it's something that we're looking at at Manly. And I think maybe country coaches can try and bounce off each other as well, because you don't want to lose a kid for a whole year of not learning just because one coach doesn't get along because everyone coaches differently as well. I mean, there's some good points in there. And in the, the landscape's obviously different when, when you were playing for Blaney and trying to beat my super team. But mm. now the, uh, the, the most of the players have more access to NPL teams, so they're playing, you know, uh, in Sydney, Canberra, or um, you've got Murray United playing in Victoria as well. So you've got players mm. with a better opportunity to play higher level of games more often, so the landscape changes. So mm. really think what works for now. Um, yeah. I really like your idea there about, yeah, that's that's just bringing the this in that division, just bring a coach down from the 14s to the yeah. 13s for one day a week, and then he's going to get them next year anyways, or yeah. who knows. So it's just good for the players. Um, and then, as I said, like when I was growing up in Orange, I had my Blaney coach. We had, um, oh, I can't remember what it was called, reps training yeah. um, on Monday, Tuesday, which was with Glenn and whatever. Stedman and that so that was a different coach and then I had my own rep coach which was um oh, Jimmy split off and then I had my western coach and then I had my country coach yep. so I'm learning off four coaches throughout a year which yep. used to be my system which actually worked for me so let's kind of go back to like how can we get a player getting more 
exposed to different coaches in the one year rather than losing the player to one coach. And all guilty, like I'm, I'm guilty of having favorites. Yeah. So like, but uh, other coaches like might see a different style in the player or uh, I don't know. I think it's just something we should look at. Yeah, I agree. I mean, again, something I've thought about when you reflect on, you know, our, for example, the last two years in our country setup, where I've reflected on some players love the one coach for two years, right? But mm-hmm. it just means someone else's input could help stimulate that player because have some bias unintentionally about players because they fit how they want to play, which mm-hmm. might stifle a player. So someone else having a, a different view or encouraging him to do something different, I think there's some real positive in that. So, I mean, mm-hmm. we're thinking alike on that. So Yeah. What do you guys think of that? Oh, 100% agree. I think, you know, you're always going to, especially as a player coming through, you know, you like certain coaches, some coaches you may not have got on as well with, but I will never say I never learned something off a coach, I suppose. Like, may not have learned a lot, but there's always something I'll take away from every coach I had. And I think what Fernley's saying as well, the last few years of country, we sort of changed the coaches up a little bit for the players. And I think it's beneficial, you know. You're always going to pick something different up. You're going to find you're going to get challenged a different way. You're not going through six years of playing the same football under the same you know tactics, and you know a new coach comes in and throws something else at you, and you know, you're automatically you've got to start thinking thinking differently, and you're challenging yourself. I think so. Mm. I yeah. Also, I'd... as coaches, we can learn from other coaches as well if they step into our session. So. I definitely agree with what Liam said. When I come through, you can definitely pick up from many different coaches. But for me, the other side of it is I think that I've had the same team for a while now and I feel like I could be letting them down. So I really enjoy when other coaches come in and take over just to Mm. let them know what they think and what they saw in my team and say, why does this player do this or whatnot? So I think it's really beneficial in multiple ways. Mm. Well, at the end of the day, it's got to be about the player, right? I mean... Yeah. We're going to think what's best for the player and, and, and not look at how we stifle them, how we challenge them and, and what different ideas presented to players allow them to make better decisions in a game situation. I think that, that's where we've got to get to, all yeah. about what's best for the player. Correct. Cool. Well, thanks for coming on today, Nathan. We're looking to get you back on soon, hopefully. So thanks no for everything that you said today. It was a great insight in yeah, multiple hopefully. different ways. Yeah, hopefully I can come back on and we can chat some more football because, you know, there's obviously always topics to bring up. So I think it's the the discussion that needs to be had in football, I think, moving forward after COVID. So definitely keen to come on. And the gear's great, by the way. It fits well. It's, it's good. Yeah. For you, so. yeah, also, like, uh, what I was going to say before is if any clubs, like, obviously I'm, I'm with Paladin now, sports, and we do grassroots football all the way to, to Phoenix. But if, like, I know it can be difficult to get your team kitted out and get there on time. So, you know, I'd be more than happy to look after any club in the country and um, come down and, and look at the team and help them out. So, you know, that's what I'm doing now and full-time. So, Paladins, we've just made a big pitch for soccer. So, um, I think we're going to be around grassroots football. And if you look at a lot of rugby teams in grassroots out in the country, we've got a lot of clubs. So... You can ask people how we run, but it's it's a good little company. It's a Sydney company, so yeah. If anyone needs any help, uh, shoot me a message, and I'll probably I'll pop down, do a do a coaching session, give you some kit. Yeah, <laughs> perfect. Sounds good. No, uh, what's that? Coaching session and free giveaway, huh? That's it. That's it. So.
Uh, all right, guys. Yeah, good right, chat. Thanks, thanks for that. Appreciate your time. Good luck with the podcast, huh? Thank you. Thanks, Nathan. Thanks, Nathan. Thanks, Cheers. Guys.